Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast presented by First Federal. It's Wednesday, September 21st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking college football today, and there's so much to discuss. Missouri, Kansas State, and KU all have big games on Saturday, and we break them down. Mizzou travels to Auburn in the SEC opener for both teams. Both are 2-1, and one, but that one for both teams? Oof. Whoever comes out of this game with a victory will feel much better about itself. You'll hear from Missouri coach Eli Drinkwitz from his press conference earlier this week. Kansas State visits Oklahoma in what they hope becomes a sandwich situation. That is, two good performances around a lousy one. Three weeks ago, the Wildcats pounded Missouri. Last week, K-State was upset at home by Tulane. A good performance at OU will complete the sandwich. Beat writer Kellis Robinette gives us the K-State update. But we, somewhat remarkably, lead off with Kansas, the undefeated Jayhawks. Yes, undefeated. KU plays Duke in Lawrence in their final non-conference game. Beat writer Gary Bedore tells us about the national attention the Jayhawks are receiving for their football program and how quarterback Jalen Daniels wound up in Lawrence. We'll start today's show with some audio of last week's KU victory at Houston. The Cougars scored the game's first two touchdowns, and then this happened. They're going to roll to one. Daniels will take it to Zion. Keeper, Daniels still on his feet. He will score. A third and ten design quarterback keeper, Jalen Daniels, puts the Jayhawks on the board and into the end zone. Back in behind Daniels. Give it to Highshaw. Running left. Untouched for six. Daniels, the 17-yard pass to Trevor Cardell, and now it is second and goal, and we are back with a flip pass from Daniels, and Kansas strikes instantly. Luke Graham, the junior receiver. On average in games that have included five overtime periods, too. Daniels loading up. Deep shot, he hits it. Lachlan out of the backfield. Terry Lachlan, fifth string running back. Touchdown. Everybody into the pool. We're talking KU football with Gary Bedore. Gary, um, we, we, we've done a lot of podcasts over the last few years that are college football specific and and often we combine the three schools that we cover on a regular basis Kansas Kansas State and Missouri in in one show and we're doing that again today but I cannot remember the last time that we led with Kansas football <laughs> and uh, it's always you know Missouri or, or Kansas State because more success at those two programs. That is not the case this year, at least after three games. Kansas is the only undefeated team among our three. Three and O start with the last two of those victories coming at West Virginia and most recently at Houston. It is kind of amazing what's going on at KU and the nation is starting to notice it a little bit. Don't you think? Yes. Uh, I think you're a voter. You said in the AP and, KU checked in at 34 this week, which is only nine off from being ranked. And uh, again, we I only laughed because of the past, you know. Lance Leipold's team this year on its own merits looks like a really good team. And uh, the fact that they're almost ranked 
it all goes back to the you know the last two years of Mangino. That's I think that's when the the last time they were ranked, and uh, it's just been a great start for KU. So they're excited, and uh, with three home games following two road games, it all looks like it's right there for them to continue. But we'll see. Yep, Duke is the opponent on Saturday, and we'll talk a little bit about Duke later, but let's, let's stay on just the, the Jayhawks. Uh, I believe that at least we, we have some suspicion that ESPN's game day was considering a trip to, to KU this week for, at least that was the rumor. I don't, I don't know how much of that is true, but I, I know there was some speculation that game day would have come to, could have come to Lawrence this week. Instead, it's going to Tennessee for the, for the Florida Tennessee game. And, and you mentioned the AP poll votes. I, you know, just not only just at Kansas appearing in the in the others receiving votes, but um, I, I wonder when the last time anybody in AP uh, who has an AP ballot voted for Kansas in the top twenty-five. Because as you mentioned, they're three and zero. The three wins matches the most that a Kansas team has had since Mark Mangino's final year. So that. That takes you through Turner Gill and Charlie Weiss and David Beatty and Les Miles and and even um, you know even uh, Clint Bowen as an interim coach in there at some point. Um, so um, did you did you hear anything from KU officials about game day possibly coming to KU this week? No, but uh, they were immediately. If the if lobbying is the right word after the game, they were inviting them. And uh, there's a picture on Twitter of Lee Corso wearing a Jayhawk hat, but I don't know if K if not KU, but I don't know if somebody uh, photoshopped that or if he did it on the post on the game day show. I didn't watch it, um, but that was on Twitter of Lee Corso. I know. I believe they talked about. KU uh, in one of their segments, and I think a national CBS show uh, devoted some time to Leipold. So I don't know if they officially were looking into KU, but uh, it it would have been interesting. But it it probably would have been a novelty thing, you know, uh, playing off the basketball, yeah. KU Duke and. Oh, look, they're both good in football. I don't know. Um, so I'm not sure on, uh, on if, it, if KU came in runner-up for that, but there was certainly talk of it, and uh, there was some almost an invitation from KU to, <laughs> to come to town for the game. Yeah, I, mean, I would imagine if, if, if um, game day had come to Lawrence this weekend, they'd have brought Joe Lenardi in uh, to – um, <laughs> yeah. just on, sit on the panel and, uh, uh, and have fun, fun with that. And I believe, you know, I know that Kansas has played Duke. I think this is the fourth of a four year or four time series that started a long time ago, actually. Um, but Duke being at Kansas means their football team will have been to KU more times than their basketball team. Um, I think the blue devils have only been to Lawrence one time. Yes, and I think it was in the Larry Brown era, um, the year that KU played Duke in the Final Four in Kansas City, they had played earlier in Lawrence. Ah, right, right. And uh, 
Well, I, I'm kind of going blank, but I think KU lost to them in Lawrence. They did. It's and true. then beat them in, uh, what was it, the semifinal? The yeah, national. the semifinal. Then the next year, Kansas went to Durham and Roy Williams' first year and got blown out at Cameron Indoor. So, uh, yeah, in a freak snow, in right. a freak snow day. A lot of the media back then went on the day of the game and we were trying to get out there the day of the game. And uh, I flew to Atlanta and the, the flight was delayed enough that we would have got to Durham right about the end of the game. So I came right back and uh, <laughs> one of the other writers from Wichita, Rick Plumley, made it. He, uh, but he also went on the day of the game. So kind of crazy, but <laughs> uh, Duke clobbered KU that day, as you said. Right. Right. Hey, so I wanted to, I wanted to catch up with you about Jalen Daniels. Speaking of, you know, Kansas getting a lot of national love, he certainly is. Jalen Daniels is off to a great start as as the KU quarterback. You know, Gary, I'm sure people around the country that are just catching on to Kansas, and they're, nobody's to be you know, blamed for this, but they're just hearing about Jalen Daniels for the first time and, and learning his story. But this is his, what, third year in the program. He has started games for Kansas in each of his first two years. So it's not like for people that have followed Kansas and Big 12 football, it's not like he's bursting onto the scene. It's just that the team's having more success. And um, tell us a little bit about you know what, what he accomplished or what he did in his first couple of years at KU. Uh, yeah, um, coming into KU, he was lightly – recruited he was a three-star so it wasn't like he was expected to turn the the whole thing around um he was offered by middle tennessee army louisiana lafayette air force schools like that so uh he came in and uh i believe it would have been a less miles recruit right 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 so as a true freshman, he played in set, he started um, six games. So, uh, and that was, I mean, that was the 2020 season where yeah. the COVID year and KU went 0 and 9. So obviously he didn't win any of those games. No. And uh, he, I was just looking up his stats 718 yards, only one throwing touchdown. Mm. So, uh, I don't know if everybody was trying to recruit over him or or not. His sophomore year, he played in six games, started three, and uh, and I believe it was the last three, uh, which including the Texas game. Yeah. So that game, the the overtime, <laughs> they put up fifty seven points. That earned him the job for this year, to where they finally had no quarterback controversy um, to come close in the final two games after Texas and have a good camp. Even though Jason Bean, Lance Leipold kept saying he had a great preseason camp, Daniels earned that job on the field last year. So um, he was just too good at the end. And that's why a lot of people thought maybe KU could pick up where they left off last year and have a good season. Um, it was hard to 
to pick KU to win more than three games without seeming like a real hometown writer. So I just took the easy way out and I think I predicted three, but in the back of everybody's mind was Leipold, a pretty, seems like a pretty honest guy saying over and over how well they were playing in preseason camp and guys like Lonnie Phelps coming in on defense. So uh, Daniels, now is <laughs> firmly there as the starter getting some Heisman mentioned from Dennis Dodd and others. Uh, and it's pretty wild. So good leader, good quarterback, it looks like, and excellent threat to run and pass. Right. 123 yards rushing against Houston last week. He kind of got, he got it all started with a touchdown run that, that began the stretch of four straight touchdowns after KU had fallen behind 14 to nothing. So look, uh, it's all it's all been interesting and different for you know for Kansas football fans, different in a in a very good way. They've they've already you know surpassed the the Vegas odds makers over under total of two and a half. And uh, and and the schedule is somewhat favorable for them in the next few weeks to to add to the total and and I think if they continue to have success, we will see college game day in Lawrence and all the attention that that brings uh, would be a uh, would be quite the spectacle. You know, as often as Kansas has hosted um, whatever it's called, whatever the equivalent's called in basketball with the, uh, you know, with the uh, Reese Davis yeah. and Jay Billis and, um, you know, and, and th- that crew, it would, um, you know, I suspect they would have. Uh, just as enthusiastic a crowd and and and, and a big time uh, feel if uh, you know if if ESPN brought their show to to Lawrence for one of these games on Saturday. Yeah, I would expect uh, if KU gets to five wins, if they could win two out of the three home games somehow, um, they'd be on game day's radar at any point. Because when you get to five wins, you're talking bowl game country. Yep. And KU would be legit the rest of the way. Um, the schedule gets a lot tougher after TCU. But um, if they can beat Duke, and then I doubt they would come for Iowa State KU. But may, who knows? Hey, look, but, Iowa State plays Baylor this weekend. If they beat Baylor, yeah, they stay might, undefeated. That, that might be a... A destination. I don't know what the rest of the country has. Yeah, that's the key. I don't know either. Um, all those SEC games starting to fire up. So we shall see. Yep. Okay. Great stuff, Gary. Uh, appreciate the conversation and we'll do it again next week. Thanks. Buying your first home is a huge milestone, but the journey there can be confusing. First Federal Bank of Kansas City is here to make it simple. After nearly a century of serving the KC community, our loan advisors have experience in every type of housing market. With a short phone call, we can give you a free rate quote and talk through loan options. No pressure, no obligation. The road to home ownership can be simple with First Federal Bank. Get started with a free quote at ffbkc.com homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City, because banking is personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. 
For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says Start a Subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. Missouri coach Eli Drinkwitz met the media this week to discuss the Auburn game. From his responses to reporters' questions, you'll hear that the biggest concerns heading into the SEC opener are offensive line play, there have been too many penalties, and the need for better tackling. So here is Eli Drinkwitz. And then on the other side, we'll catch up with Kellis Robinette at Kansas State and his best bets for the college football weekend. Yeah, I mean, um, we evaluate everybody uh, each game. And, you know, that position, the the inconsistency, I think the biggest challenge for us has been the penalties. Um, You know, we've had 13 offensive line penalties in the first three games. Um, And that's not any one person's fault, but it's an alarming trend that needs to be fixed. And so it's about creating competition today and tomorrow and seeing who has the best week of practice. And whoever does will will run out there on Saturday. Um, And and that's that's really – it's no deeper – or more challenging than that. It's we can't have penalties. We we cannot have negative yardage plays on first down when we're running the football. And uh, who, who's going to take that off the tape? Yeah, I mean to be honest, they've got a tremendous front four. I think led by Derek Hall, no doubt. But Colby Wooden is a tremendous defensive tackle. I've been impressed with Marquise Burks. I think he's uh, been a good player. Marcus Harris, I believe, is the transfer from Kansas. Uh, Iku Liotta. Uh, plays the field defensive end who's who's really got length and rushes and bends well. Uh, Owen, uh, and I don't want to mispronounce his last name, but a very physical third-year linebacker, plays downhill, uh, can cover, can match up in coverage, can fit. Um, and so that, that front seven is, is very talented. Uh, they've got a lot of experience. They play extremely physical. they got great size. I mean, they, they're what uh, Auburn's played with on their front seven as long as I've ever remembered Auburn. And uh, so it's it's a tremendous challenge for us to get the run game going. And, uh, yeah. No, we got to figure out our offensive line issues because we got to figure out ourselves first. It's about us. Uh, we're going to play good opponents every week. It ain't it, – Holding penalties don't have anything to do with your opponent. It has to do with having hands inside, being conscientious of not grabbing. False starts have nothing to do with going against a good defensive line. Uh, It has everything to do with understanding and having discipline and choosing to get off when you hear the snap count. Um, So there's urgency because we have to get it fixed. Um, But that's, that's the reason. Yeah, I mean, I think Sunday they they recognized it, they saw it on tape, and then today we'll see the response. You mentioned some of the tackling issues, especially first half. Considering, uh, you know, I mean, how big a deal? I know it's big every game, but with tank speed on the other side, is it, is it even maybe a little bigger deal than some other times? It's a big deal uh, if you're going to be a good defensive football team. The first man to the to the uh, ball carrier needs to tackle and dictate leverage, and those were the issues that we weren't. It's it's one thing to miss a tackle; it's another thing to overrun a tackle. And now the rest of your other ten players don't know how to fit off you. So we talk about, hey, 
you've got to dictate leverage for the other 10 players on the field. And that was the area that was really lacking, so our tracking angles were not good. That's a big deal, regardless if you're playing Tank Bigsby or Jarquez Hunter or any of their running backs, because they're all really talented players. And it was a big deal Saturday because it let us, uh, you know, we got three third down conversions off they got three third down conversions off of missed tackles poor tracking angles was, was not anything else other than that so that's a point of emphasis today that's a point of emphasis uh every day when we go out to practice and it's something that we have to be focused on and that's something that we control really doesn't have anything to do with your opponent it has to do with you making sure you're tracking the near hip understand the difference between a profile and a frontal and, and use the proper techniques on a profile tackle make sure we understand the proper t- uh, techniques on a frontal tackle and if we can do those things then whether it's tanks bigsby or uh, 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 anybody else you're going to be in the right position to make the play I think we've always had a lot of confidence in Dominic Lovett. I think uh, it was good to see him and Brady connect on that deep ball because we'd seen it a bunch in practice, but we hadn't been able to put that on the tape. I mean, I guess in Kansas State we put that one on tape. So um, to see that continue to grow, obviously, in the key third down, uh, he made a very tough catch that falls on the back hip, which is a really difficult catch on a slant route. Um, So I think it just creates confidence that there's uh, players on the field that we can find. Um, So, yeah, it just creates confidence. That's when you make plays and you win, you create confidence. And uh, that a belief in each other is what builds solid teams. A confidence in each other is what builds teams. And that's why you got to continue to grow. Yeah, I think uh, that's that's been something that we've really been um, focusing on have not seen the chaos that we need to. And that's not just focused on the defensive line. Our linebackers have to hit gaps. Um, We've got to create more uh, um, disruption in our pressures, in our simulated pressures, and in our zero pressures. And so I think it's a combination of a lot of things. And again, those things usually have to do with just us and us executing and getting uh, those things the way they need to go. But that's a great observation. You know, you want to, you want, you want people to be tough, and you want people to display toughness, but you also want to, you know, Gene Chizik used to talk about there's tough and dumb tough, all right, and we don't need to be dumb tough, we need to be tough, and so uh, I think that's just the conversation with Brady is we need you to display toughness, especially at the quarterback position. We never want to take away his competitive toughness, but let's not be dumb tough. Kellis, it's. Um... It's a strange place we're in right now with Kansas State coming off the 17-10 loss to Tulane. I didn't see it coming. Uh, Maybe when we rewrite history a little bit, uh, you can make a case that they had a resounding victory over Missouri. They had Oklahoma coming up. There's a sandwich game. Tulane's an opponent that they're not very familiar with. But I think you you mentioned it, and we talked about it last week, Tulane, such a well-coached team with Willie Fritz, and they are not 
lightly regarded in the in their conference this year still with with all maybe the warning signs we should have seen I didn't see Kansas State losing that game no I didn't either um, there were certainly some scenarios where I could see Tulane covering the spread uh, last year they went to Oklahoma even in a year when they only won two games and lost by five pushed Oklahoma to the bitter end of that game um, Willie Fritz is is from from Kansas very good coach you know he's going to want to come in here and play his, uh, you know, coach's best game, have a good showing in front of his family and friends. So I could certainly uh, have seen how it had been close, but I think what we all overlooked was um, just, I guess, how uh, much Adrian Martinez is still settling into this offense. I, I was under the impression that um, the only reason they hadn't thrown for much yardage in the first two games is because um, in the first game they got up real big and didn't have to. In the second game, they was in the middle of a thunderstorm. They didn't want to. But, oh, here comes Tulane. Um, you know, they don't have the best defense in the world. They'll cut it loose. They'll move the ball. It won't be a problem. Well, what, did, what does Tulane do? They, they, they put people in the box. They say, Deuce Vaughn's not going to beat us. We're going to hold him under 100 yards, even if it means Adrian Martinez beats us with his arm. And he didn't, didn't do it. Couldn't do it. I don't know if he didn't even really try to do it. He just kept checking the ball down. Um, every third and short they got into, they couldn't convert. It was just a, uh, a very um, well-coached maneuver by Tulane in that uh, you could tell in the first quarter, they drove all the way down to the Kansas State 35, had a fourth and short and punted from the opponent's 35, which is, I think, normally a very poor move. But when you look back, it's brilliant because they knew it was going to be a defensive battle. They thought they could hold Kansas State down. They didn't actually go for a fourth down until the bitter end of the game when they went for it fourth and inches to clinch it. Kansas State, meanwhile, goes for it five times and gets stuffed four times. I think that was really the big difference in the game. Is one of the rare times where you see the more conservative approach paying off. That was a gutsy fourth down call at the end of the game by Tulane to basically win it or probably you know give Kansas State a chance to force overtime and let the Wildcats try to win it in in OT that was uh that was a big time call for for Willie Fritz let me and this is a little bit of an aside but I just want to put it out there uh you know we we will have talked to uh we've talked to Gary Bedour from who covers KU I would think Willie Fritz could be on the short list of Kansas candidates if somehow their coach Lance Leipold ends up at another school, uh, maybe a school to the north of Kansas um, after the season. So I just want to put that out there. Um, so Adrian Martinez is a, is a conversation topic now, and uh, there is the idea that he and the Wildcats offense were too cautious against the Green Wave. And uh, even Chris Kleiman admitted that at his news conference this week that things need to open up a little bit more. We've seen that from Adrian Martinez when he was the Nebraska quarterback. He got the the bad with the good. You know, he, he made big plays and he made big mistakes. But uh, I, I think you've, you've got to see him take a few more chances and risks, don't you? Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, they're not going to do much for the quarterback we've had through three games. Um, the stat I keep going back to is, when he was at Nebraska, his best game, he once threw for 384 yards and two touchdowns in the game against Wisconsin. That's just one game we're talking about. He's played in three for Kansas State. He's barely at 300 yards passing. He's got 301 yards 
one touchdown, three, three games, not even averaging five yards a pass per attempt, which is just abysmal. You're not you, in the, especially in the big 12, you're not going to be anybody throwing for that kind of yardage unless, unless you just have a, a ferocious running attack that's like air force or something. And you're just going to ground grind teams in the ground. And some, there are certain weeks where they can do that with Deuce Vaughn, but we saw last week, there are also teams that if they, you know, get, get really stern about it can stop him. So you need both. And I, I think it's certainly possible that he can figure things out. I'm not totally certain why he's seemed to be unwilling to throw the ball downfield other than really two times all season. Um, especially because the two throws he had worked out. One was a, a deep ball to Phillip Brooks where only he could catch it. He didn't quite bring it in, but you know what? Nothing bad happened. And last week he dropped an, a, an actually a really nice ball in the Cade Warner in the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. Longest pass of the day, and it worked out. So it's just kind of bizarre to me that he keeps trying to throw all these check down passes. And I'm also a little wonder – I also wonder why – and it's not just him. I also wonder why Colin Klein is maybe so hesitant to have him run on QB power uh, we saw it with Skylar Thompson, who was not the most mobile quarterback in the world. Their best red zone play for four years running was just a QB keeper, uh, you know, go kind of a wildcat kind of thing. You're not going to get huge, huge yards for it, but you're going to get three or four, get it across the, the line for a touchdown or, for, or a first down. We didn't really see that last week. I don't know if they're just trying to not have him run or, or what, but I, I think it would be very beneficial for Kansas State if he can, A, throw the ball a little bit more downfield, B, run on quarterback keepers against Oklahoma. Um, and if he's going to play that way, I think we're going to see it this week because there really is nothing to lose here. They're big underdogs. They're going to have to score to keep up. Um, if he comes out and just keeps checking the ball down in this situation, then I think it's probably time to start looking at a QB change. Well, I was going to say um, maybe there's good news and bad news in the next opponent's uh, category here. There's – you know, there, you're right. There, there is nothing left left to lose uh, by altering your identity a little bit on offense. On the other hand, it's against a team that is one of the Big 12 favorites on the road against a new head coach, which plays should play into Kansas State's favor. But he's a defensive-minded coach, Brent Venables, the former Kansas State player and, and assistant coach who came over from, you know, from all those years at, at Clemson is now that, you know, re, uh, was also an Oklahoma assistant coach and he returns to, to the Sooners. Um, what have we seen from OU so far this year? And can we apply the K-State and Chris Kleiman always play OU well factor into this one? Well, I think – well, I was going to say yes, but that's a great question because every time they've played Oklahoma well, it's been really because Skylar Thompson has just gone ham on them. Um, I mean, had a just a great game um, when they came in here and won the first time uh, three years ago. Had a, just another brilliant game when he went down there and won. And even last year um, when they lost, that was the game where he came back from his, uh, his uh, knee injury, could hardly run the ball. Everybody said, oh, goodness, what are we going to do without a QB run game? He comes out and throws for like almost 400 yards in Oklahoma. So if Adrian Martinez plays like that, then yes, I absolutely think that they can push Oklahoma here. But if, if he just plays average, I think it's going to be pretty hard because Oklahoma's looked really good. I was hesitant about the Sooners with just how many changes they've had. I know, I think Brent Venables is a good coach and I think he'll eventually, you know, win there down the line. I'm just maybe a little surprised they, they're kicking it in the high gear already. 
I thought they looked really good at Nebraska. Um, they won their other two games by blowouts. Their defense is looking really good. Um, Jaron Kanick, the guy they got here from Hayes, is contributing as a true freshman, which I think is a good sign for them. And Dylan Gabriel um, looks better than he ever did at Central Florida. He's running the ball pretty good. He's throwing the ball really well. Um, so they're kind of – they're like – they're one of the more balanced teams in the Big 12. They're not just offense. They're not just defense. They can do both. So it, it's going to be difficult. Um, but at the same time, I will say that if, if they get a, get, get a good game out of Adrian Martinez, I think this is going to be the best version of Kansas State you're going to see because, I mean, if, if for whatever reason they were looking past Tulane and that really was the issue – then that's not an issue now because they're going to be, you know, they're not going to be looking past Oklahoma to Texas Tech. I promise you that. So, um, you know, I, I think they, I think they can keep it close if, if things break, break their way for sure. People who uh, spend a lot of time thinking about betting and or betting uh, college football identify the sandwich situation and Kansas state is in that with, you know, game, you know, having, played well against Missouri with Oklahoma on the other side and Tulane in the middle of that, the, the bad game uh, to complete the sandwich. You have to play good in the, you know, in the other bread game. And, uh -huh. uh, and I do think that the prospect is there for Kansas state to, to, you know, they'll line up physically with, with Oklahoma and that, that, that won't be the issue to me. It is the execution on, on offense that is going to tell us a lot about how this game unfolds. And speaking of wagering, Kellis, um, uh, you do a weekly, uh, a weekly column, basically about uh, sports wagering. You concentrate on college football. I want to know how much you have looked at this week's schedule and have identified a best bet or something that you really like from this week. Uh, yeah, there are a few. Um, I mean, it, it's yeah, hard to go. There are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say I'll start. It's hard to go against uh, Kansas. Um, they've, they've covered six straight games this year. They've won all three of their games by double digits. They're laying seven and a half against Duke. I feel better at six, six and a half. If you're on the right app, you can actually go in and use an alternate spread, go down to six and a half and you may be giving up one thirty instead of one thirty, uh, instead of one twenty. So you win, you know, a little less money, but you're a little safer, but in the, on the same token, they're scoring at a rate. Um, I mean, look what they did in Houston. They fall behind by 14 and still win pretty easily. They're at home now. They'll have a big crowd behind them. If uh, if you want to keep riding the momentum of uh, the betting momentum of the Hawks, I think that's a good bet. Um, if you're looking for like an obscure um, game between some bad teams, I really like UNLV at Utah State. Um, UNLV has just been atrocious in the past, but they've uh, quietly turned it on this season. They're coming off an absolute home drubbing of North Texas. Um, which North Texas is normally pretty decent. So for them to just maul them is impressive. They covered the spread against Cal. Um, they crushed Idaho State in their opener, and now they're going to Utah State. They're only two-point favorites against a team that is coming off a 35-7 home loss against Weber State. Um, they also couldn't cover against UConn at home. They couldn't cover at Alabama. So you're going to – you got one team that's pretty much covered in all their games against a team that's been hapless and hasn't covered once. So if, if you like a pillow fight, I like UNLV there. Um, and uh, one team I have really faded all season is Colorado. They're over under win total on the season. It's one of the few you can still find out there is at 0 0.5. That's, that is how bad they are. They, I think they started at 2.5. It's down to 0 0.5. So basically you can bet if you think they can go get one win or go winless, they have not won 
they have been pounded in all their games. They got killed by TCU, killed by Air Force, killed by Minnesota. They can't score. They can't stop anyone. Uh, their AD actually just put out a message this week to fans basically saying, look, I hear you. We stink. What do you want me to do about it? They are hosting UCLA this weekend. They're only three touchdown underdogs. I think it's going to be a really hard time for them to cover that spread. I would, I really like UCLA Jersey. Locks of the century by <laughs> Kellis Robinette. Take them to the bank. All right. Great stuff, Kellis, uh, on Kansas State and on sports wagering. We'll do it again next week. Anytime, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sports Beat KC staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, George Howard, and Jeff Rosen. A salute to our sponsor, First Federal. Their website is ffbkc.com. Tip of the cap to Gary Bedore and Callis Robinette for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition was 42 pages today, full of coverage about the Royals, the Chiefs, college football, everything. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC. Oh, 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 oh,